Revolution was in the air. There had been men before Jesus, and there would be ones afterwards, who would stir up national hopes and call the Jews to action. Prophetic figures around whom a community would form and be crushed and fade away after the leader died or was killed. Revolution Revolution was in the air. Peter was quick to draw and strike with his sword on the night of Christ's betrayal. Other disciples asked Jesus at that moment if they should too. And on the way to Jerusalem, well, they had pledged themselves to fight and to die with him. How easy this made it for the chief priest to falsely accuse Jesus of insurrection and cast him in front of the pitiless Roman Empire, letting the overlords they hated do the dirty work they could not. When religion's power seems to fall short, arms open to the human power that gets the job done. We have no king but Caesar, the priest said. Intoxication with power and national pride and revolution were all in the air, but resurrection? Not even after Jesus was raised and seen was this understood. They did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead, St. John relayed, after Peter and John had entered the empty tomb. There was a widespread Jewish belief that in the new age, when God returned as king, faithful Jews would be raised altogether, though even this teaching was vague. No disciples, even those closest to Jesus, conceived that that event would or could burst into this world in one person ahead of that new age. Thus all the confusion, thus the pervasive incredulity of those closest to the Messiah. For the Messiah envisioned looked closer to a Roman emperor dressed in Jewish garb and brandishing a sword for the Jewish nation than did the man Jesus nailed to a tree. And if that had been the end of him, he would have been lost to history like so many other revolutionaries, just like Barabbas would have been lost to history except for his connection with Jesus. If he had just been one of the many revolutionaries, he would have been lost to history. But the inconceivable resurrection for the dead, not the restoration to ordinary human life, but transformation and new life, the resurrection of Christ affirmed everything he said and did, shedding lights on the disciples' dimmed minds. Jesus had required of his followers the loyalty or faith 
required by the Lord God and his law. Jesus demanded priority over family ties, which was simply not done. You depended on them and your nation for everything. Until Jesus, the world was broken down into us and them, Jew or Gentile, Greek or barbarian, slave or free, male or female, rich or poor, elite or low-born. Babel was everywhere to behold. But Jesus undid it by uniting the worldwide family of man in his own person, and by so doing, overcame every obstacle to being with God, who is love and truth and goodness itself. The far-off world in which all things are set right became present in space and time in him. The pattern of renewed humanity, of a human being fully alive, is him, his person, words, actions. And those baptized into him, Paul said, have become a new creation too. The revolution of revolutions had come, and it was categorically different from anything previously imagined or hoped for. The crucified Messiah raised from the dead, the fierce loyalty of his followers to him above king, country, family, and one's own self, the entirely new multi-ethnic community whose members provided for one another, rich and poor, elite and lowborn, all were brothers and sisters because all were the Messiah's kin. The final revolution had come. How convincing this was and how threatening it was. God's final purpose for mankind had entered into time and brought into existence a universal community already sharing the new age while they labored to coordinate their lives with that unimaginable gift. For God's gift of his son is no imperial imposition on those who are uninterested in accepting and organizing their lives around him. The son can be rejected outright as well as through disloyalty, unfaithfulness, cowardice, apathy, laziness. And when that happens, well, we see it in our day, a reversion to Babel. Identity politics, dividing man according to race, wealth, social status, and invented genders, Sodom and Gomorrah, hedonism, man at odds with creation, human dignity reduced to that of a slave who can be aborted, euthanized, canceled, and derided on social media as those in power so please. There are the darkest Jim Crow laws of our days. And then, naturally, there is this which the recent Gallup data bears out, 
especially those of you born before 1946, but also to a little lesser degree, you boomers, I say, we salute you. You are among those who are in the highest risk category for the virus. And yet, you have been among the first to return, knowing there is something here with which you cannot live a life fully alive, or you have suffered at home, unable to be here. You have been amazing examples for us. Doing what those younger than you could do, volunteering. But they have not learned that lesson that it is more blessed to serve than to be served. You have hoisted us up once again on your shoulders and carried us spiritually, morally, and financially during this time. Bless you for your fidelity and example to us all. And for all others, there are exceptions, and we have many examples in our midst. Those in their early 50s or in their 40s, 30s, 20s, and younger who are loyal to Jesus, present here, active here, doing this in memory of him, while living and teaching the Christian way of life at home. You are the leaders of your generations, the heroes, members of the faithful remnant, the new Jerusalem, the true Israel. But the majority of your peers are not. COVID has become an excuse for them. It has been the mild test that has revealed the depth or shallowness of their faith. Dear friends, in this cohort, I must say I am deeply saddened by you. You work in public and send your kids to school but do not show up here. The so-called danger of being at church dissuades you and keeps you home even though you spend an hour eating across from someone unrelated to you with no mask or travel across the country or participate with your kids in their sports. I'm terribly grieved as I hear your children confess your sins to me. We missed Mass. We didn't even watch it on TV, Father. Repent while there is still time before the unspiritual habits which I have seen in your kids become even more deeply ingrained and their lives forever changed. For as it should be clear by now, we're not just talking about eternity when you must vouch for yourself before God, but also the quality of life here and now. I have seen this with my own eyes. We have school mass once a week. I can tell you whose kids come on the weekends and whose kids do not. Struggling to know when to stand, when to sit, when to kneel, what to say, and how to be religiously. For religion isn't a switch you can turn on and turn off. 
It's a way of life that puts you into contact with something deeper than your eyes can see. I saw this once and more than once, this poor boy whose parents I know are out in the community, and it struck me one day at Mass. He hasn't just remained steady since last year at this time. He has reverted, not just one year, but further back. Gallup puts it this way, if the present trend of decreasing church membership and religious affiliation levels off, which it shows no signs of doing, but if it levels off, if you have three children in your household, at your funeral only one will participate and pray and receive Holy Communion to say nothing of offering masses for the repose of your soul. Two out of three statistics say will have no church membership, no affiliation whatsoever. COVID tests us. Life tests us, questioning us about our character, our convictions, and what we really believe is worth sacrificing for and organizing our lives around. Your children deserve, they have a right to something more. Remember that the dispensation from the Archbishop applies to those whose own health or that of a family member necessitates staying away from all public places. If this doesn't describe you, then the dispensation doesn't apply to you. There is still time to change, to be who you deep down know you should be and want to be. Begin today and do not veer again from the Christian way. The revolution of the resurrection has begun in Jesus Christ. Whoever is in him is a new creation. May we each make that gift our own this and every day.